Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. As the pandemic started, you know, I got emails and phone calls and questions from people about very basic aspects of the immune system. And so I thought, you know, perhaps it's better for me to actively engage the public about the immune system and do a sort of immunology 101. That's Professor Akiko Iwasaki. And if you've been on Twitter during the pandemic, you've probably come across her tweets. She's an immunologist at Yale who has amassed a huge social media following for her posts about the latest COVID-19 research. And I totally get why. She's the kind of person who will tweet about a new study that she is doing on COVID long haulers. Those are the people who have really long lingering symptoms after getting infected with COVID. And then a few minutes later, she'll respond to someone who wants to know how their vaccine could be affected by a shark attack. Specifically, whether you'd still have immunity if a shark bit off the arm where you got your COVID-19 shot. That was a real question. And Professor Iwasaki had an answer. She has an answer to seemingly every question about immunology, and she takes the time to engage with people and break down the complicated science. The other thing about Professor Iwasaki, as I learned, is that she's not afraid to speak up about power imbalances in the workplace. In fact, she also tweets a lot about implicit bias against women and minorities experienced in science. As a stat article put it recently, over the last year, she's been fighting two viruses, COVID-19 and sexism. So today on the show, I talk to her about both of those topics. We talk about what treating long haulers can teach us about the mechanisms of the virus, and also what we can all do to help women succeed after a very difficult year. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta. CNN's chief medical correspondent. And this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. I think going forward, this is going to be one of the biggest obstacles that we need to tackle as medical community to try to understand the underlying mechanism of long COVID and to come up with therapy. Lately, Professor Iwasaki's lab has been focusing on long haulers, or what she calls long covid People with long COVID can develop symptoms that are hard to define. Things like fatigue, trouble focusing, and forgetfulness. And those symptoms can linger, sometimes for months. The big unknown is why this happens and why it may afflict as many as 10 to 30 percent of people who contract COVID-19. Right. So the long-hauling symptoms not only occur in severe or moderate patients who were hospitalized, but also in mild disease cases in which people haven't, you know, been admitted to the hospital, but they've had COVID. And that's happening more in the younger generation and more also in women in their 30s and 40s. And these women were, you know, quite active. You know, they've never really had any major health issues before COVID. And now they're becoming almost incapacitated in some cases because of these brain fog and, you know, memory loss and just inability to perform the functions that they've been able to do before. 
so if it's it's more likely to be younger people and women in particular, do you think that this is a a sort of consequence of an immune system that is overreacting, perhaps, or underreacting? What what do you think is going on there? Yeah, so currently I have two theories to explain this. One is that there is a persistent viral replication or remnants of the virus that persist in these people, and that's causing this uh, very long-term symptoms. Um, and the other is, as you suggested, you know, autoimmune disease or something that, you know, hyperimmune responses that are happening in these people. And if the autoimmune diseases are indeed occurring, the way we would treat these patients would be quite different from if it was a persistent virus infection. So I think we really need to understand what the underlying causes of these symptoms so we can treat them appropriately. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a fascinating point that you raise, right? Because if it's a persistent viral infection versus uh, too much inflammation, call it that, autoimmune sort of issue. In one case, in the autoimmune issue, you may want to sort of tamp down the immune system a bit so you don't have as much inflammation. But if, in fact, it's viral replication, tamping down the immune system could make that problem worse, right? Is that, is that what you're saying? Exactly. So that's why we need, a, you know, a good understanding. And one sort of light at the end of this tunnel is that the fact that we're seeing that some patients with long COVID who have gotten the vaccines are feeling better. And about 30 to 40% of the people uh, with long COVID uh, report, you know, improvement in their symptoms after vaccines. So that gives us some hope in trying to understand like what we can do to help them, but also what is potentially causing the disease. One of the other things that you have been talking about, even pre-pandemic, is just about women in science and, and, and what the pandemic has done for women in science overall. You wrote an article, I think it was back in 2015, about specific challenges that women face in science and academia. What were they? So some of the uh, key issues that women face are either overt discrimination, sexual harassment, bullying, as well as implicit bias. And implicit bias is the most difficult one to handle because it's really hard to grasp it and to put a highlight on it because we just can't see it. But it affects everyone's, you know, progress through the scientific career as a woman, all the way to, you know, even when you have the degree and you're publishing, the, the way you're evaluated by the reviewers, there are, there's implicit bias everywhere that kind of chips away at the opportunity that women have to progress forward in our career. And that's why we are losing so many women as we progress through the, the ranks of the scientific career. Do, do you think the pandemic um, will exacerbate those uh, inequities? Yeah, unfortunately, it's already known that women, uh, especially women who have small children or have uh, elderly at home, um, they tend to stay home and take care of others more so than their male counterpart in the same professional ranks. So women are already suffering from the effect of the pandemic because of the need to take care of other people. And that's sort of led to a less productive year for many women in the pandemic. So I'm, I'm curious, and, and, I, and I should tell you that, you know, my, my mother was the first woman hired as an automotive engineer at Ford Motor Company. And this is in the mid-1960s. It's pretty incredible. But 
for us, you know, and her stories, it was always this this sort of uphill climb. And we're talking 50 years of, of an uphill climb. You're helping women um, who, are, who are considering careers in science. You're, you're providing that mentorship. And you're also out there on social media, you know, um, trying to educate people. I imagine, you can correct me if I'm wrong, the reaction is mostly positive. But... The problem sometimes with just opening yourself up to the world is that it's not always positive and you can get harassed and, and you know, just get the, the, the most bizarre, frankly, comments. What have you experienced in that regard? Yes, unfortunately, that's all true. Uh, for vast majority of the responses have been positive. But you do get some people who are, uh, you know, quite critical of what I'm doing. Uh, I often get e- emails from people kind of telling me that I shouldn't be doing this, you know, I'm sort of disadvantaging Mm. young men because I'm speaking up (laughs) Uh, and many other things, you know, I've I've, um, gotten a lot of backlash. They said that? They said you are disadvantaging young men because of (laughs) trying to... Wow, that's that's an interesting response. Yes, (laughs) but I have gotten that from um, several emails. So, uh, you know, I know that there are people who are never going to change their mind and, you know, that's unfortunate, but... Um, I, I still think it's important enough for me to speak out about it. So I try to strengthen myself and, and <laughs> try not to think too hard about these criticisms. Yeah, I mean, and, and also we are all better because of it. I'm sure you followed these unbelievable anti-Asian crimes, hate crimes that have occurred, this mass shooting that, that killed six Asian women. It was it was it was emotional, um, you know, for for me, you know, my family, and I, I'm, how how about for you? How are you holding up? Yeah, this has been very difficult for myself and my family, and this sort of assigning of blame of this pandemic, starting from China, and that somehow um, we should be attacking Asian people because of that. And I worry about that because you know a, a lot of people. Like myself, we're working around the clock trying to figure out a therapy or improvement in the COVID patients. And yet uh, out there, you know, I'm just another Asian woman and somebody to be attacked. Mm. I I think it's a terrible thing that's happening. And I want to reach out to all the other Asians and encourage people, you know, that even despite these kinds of hate crimes, we really need to stand together and, and fight against this kind of discrimination. What's become clear is that recovering from this pandemic will require us to address racism and social inequities, in addition to all the lingering health problems. I don't pretend to know how we're going to resolve all these challenges, but I know that diagnosing and admitting to the problem is an important first step. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.